0: and it's everything you need to make a quality podcast all in one place. So, what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app or visit anchor.fm to get started. Lakeisha Greenwade is an award-winning Forbes leadership coach. Tech founder of Wearable Tech Ventures and Harvard University guest lecturer. Affectionately known as Coach L, Lakeisha also teaches ambitious entrepreneurs, experienced professionals, senior and mid level managers how to push past their self imposed limits, unleash their innovative spirit, and design the life of their dreams. Lakeisha, welcome to the show. Welcome to this episode of the Where's the Funding podcast with our guest, Lakeisha Greenwade. But before we get into the interview with our guest, I would like to thank Agazella Learn, Launch, Scale for sponsoring this episode. Agazella is an online entrepreneurship academy that co-creates its courses with learners. Don't waste your time taking courses that teach you things that you already know. Agazella courses are responsive to learners' knowledge gaps and deliver results. Check them out at agazella.com. Now that we've gotten that bit of business out of the way, let's turn to our guest. Lakeisha. welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's been a long time, but I'm so happy we're finally having a conversation.
0: I know. Thank you so much. So you are in wearable tech. So for our listeners who might not know much about wearable tech, you're going to explain that to us. But before we go there, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background in entrepreneurship and in technology.
1: Great. So I call myself a new age techie in that uh, I got into this particular field trying to solve a problem that was happening um, in various cities around the country, uh, as well as trying to promote people of color in a positive light. Uh, But more so, I'm I'm an innovator, leadership coach, business strategist, and just the one that you want to go to to make magic happen. And uh, I I reside in Baltimore, Maryland, originally from Akron, Ohio, and have an extensive amount of experience in corporate America and leadership, as well as in the federal government and coaching founders and leaders around the world.
0: Well, so, you know, if you need some coaching, Coach L, as she's also known, is somebody that you would want to hit up. Absolutely. So, aka Coach L you are in wearable technologies. So yes. for people who don't know much about wearable tech, can you tell us in general, what is it? Why are you so excited about it? And what types of problems are is wearable tech solving?
1: Absolutely. So I'm also the founder of the global ecosystem for wearable technology that's uh, focused on underrepresented talent. And I'm one of a few wearable tech experts in the world. So currently most people refer to wearable tech as a watch or a band, a device that can track your health um, or something of that nature. And so wearable tech falls within a category of IOT, otherwise known as internet of things. The reason I keep referring to what is known as today is because I can guarantee you by the end of 2021, September, October, November, it will not be the same. Uh, and we have some things that we've been developing, founders have been developing that's going to totally transform the definition. But ultimately- Even The
0: internet of things, break that down for listeners to understand what that is.
1: Absolutely. So basically it's a category of interchangeable devices or sensors uh, that can transmit data and also provide understanding of things. So again, like most people use it today uh, to transmit health data, but it's also used in many corporations for employee safety, especially when they're dealing with larger vehicles, uh, you know, um, putting vehicles together, or if they're going into dangerous environments, Um, and many cities and states utilize it as well in that particular way.
0: Thank you for that breakdown. What are some of the big problems that wearable tech is solving?
1: Well, fortunately or unfortunately, wearable tech has been a tremendous factor in uh, helping to navigate the pandemic. Uh, What you will find in many articles, um, as well as in many neighborhoods coming up, is that wearable tech is being used at many universities, as well as within the NFL, to help measure distance between people and also to measure temperature, um, so the pandemic has offered an opportunity to bring wearables mainstream beyond your fitness tracker watch or whatnot. Um, the other, the other categories where wearable tech is trending or you will see a lot of news around it is going to be around this notion of data and ethical data and ownership of data, um, and that's going to continue to be a conversation uh, especially in congress <laughs> so <laughs> so but from uh, additional things that wearable tech answers we have a founder that has a device that actually helps people to communicate a little bit better and this is going to be important especially for those that are introverts but also uh, to assist like those. Me. <laughs> Funny, yes. right?
0: I'm hosting a podcast and I'm an introvert.
1: <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's awesome. And, and, I, and I appreciate you stepping out of your comfort zone for doing that. Um, but also when we get back together again in person, uh, there's going to be some apprehension and this wasn't initially you know why the device was created it was more so created for you know those that are coming into environments and they're forced to network or connect with people and that wasn't necessarily their gift like it is mine I love being a person so it was a way to match uh, similarities match preferences so that people would have an easier time connecting to one another so that's something that one of our uh, founders in our portfolio is developing we also have another founder that incorporated wearable tech from a fitness perspective to prevent injury, and so this is really cool. Uh, she's a female bodybuilder um, and was working out a lot and sustained a, a wrist injury. So she created a device um, on a glove uh, that helps to measure, um, you know, your your risk and your tension to prevent you having to go to the hospital. So you know, those are just some some other things that are happening, but. Other things that people might forget about, you know, on a daily basis as wearable tech, if you know someone that's a diabetic and they're a type one diabetic. If they there are many them. of
0: those in this country. So absolutely. Absolutely.
1: absolutely, wearable technology, wearable technology is used, you know, for those that may have kidney failure. Um, so you think about the devices that they're connected to, think about folks with oxygen and even hearing loss, hearing aids hello and then back in the day if you ever saw that commercial where the grandma is falling and saying help help 911 that's wearable tech and actually that has been refurbished and there's some other large companies I'm not going to say their names because they haven't sponsored this podcast yet but
0: that's right no free press
1: they they've refurbished their products and, and brought it into you know new types of jewelry but the other thing a lot of people tend to forget about is that a virtual reality. And so virtual, virtual reality is used in so many cases uh, and is going to continue to grow in use, especially with uh, the emergence of 5G.
0: Thank you for breaking that down in terms of what wearable tech is and some of the big global problems that it's solving. Now, tell us more about your company, Wearable Tech Ventures. What problems are you tackling at Wearable Tech Ventures?
1: I'm so excited about Wearable Tech Ventures, also known as WTV. So if you hear me say WTV, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, But Wearable Tech Ventures, again, is the epicenter. We are the official global ecosystem for wearable technology. Our goal is to develop and promote wearables and to support 100 startups by 2030. So basically, we are that main connector for those that are aspiring founders, those that are current founders, Corporations that could benefit from wearable technology as well as investors. And so we bring it all together to you know help the overall um, industry. And so we are officially a 501c3, and some of our main programs uh, as far as developing a pipeline and developing wearable tech uh, fall within our camps and workshops for middle and high schoolers as well as young adults. And then uh, we're going to be laying out some things this year with our wearable tech hackathon, which is going to be September 24th through 26th, 2021. And that's an opportunity for folks to come together and develop ideas and be more so introduced to various aspects of wearable tech and the industries that it impacts. And they'll have an opportunity to develop something as well as pitch it to some companies at that time. So as far as a so promotion- you who needs to participate in this hackathon? Anybody can. Yay. So we are inclusive out here. So one thing we know is that um, typically, especially when we talk about people of color, OK, we tend to be those that that buy technology, um, but more so we're not really introduced on a mainstream scale uh, to those that are producing it or how we can help them, you know, take their product to another level. So let's say if you're a person, an, a novelist, and you just really have an idea and you you know there's a way that it could come to pass, but you have no idea how to make it happen, come on to the hackathon, it's virtual. If you are someone that is in tech and is looking for a pivot point or wants to make some connections and try something new, this is for you. If you're a designer, if you're an artist, if you're a gamer, come on, this is for you too. So the beautiful thing is that for our hackathon, and again, a hackathon is uh, typically... Um, you know pre-pandemic it, it would have been in person but there there have been some cases where it was virtual but it's a venue where you come together you can have a team before you come together or uh, you can create a team once you're there and you're presented with various problem statements and workshops and you pretty much work straight for 24 to 36 hours and then within a 48 to 72 hour time frame you have an award ceremony and it's popular on many college campuses and so our positioning again since we focus on underrepresented founders is making sure that not only that we target our college communities, colleges and universities, especially our HBCU communities, but making sure that those geniuses that might be sitting at home have that opportunity to shine and to work with those that are from a technical background or non-technical background to present solutions to everyday problems.
0: I love it. That was a very complete and cohesive answer to the question, who can participate? Well, it's a lot of people who can participate. So don't let the word tech turn you off and make you think that it's not for you because you don't consider yourself to be particularly technical.
1: Absolutely. Because I'm a non-technical founder. And the reason I say I'm a new age techie, hey, folks, I didn't have my first computer until I was an adult. So I went all the way through undergrad, was an economics major. Uh, I went to the Ohio State University. So they had computer labs and things of that nature, but I really didn't embrace it or didn't have the opportunity to own it until I was an adult. So if you're in the same case, or if you find that you're apprehensive to embrace tech, I'm pretty sure you might be creative or have some ideas. And so we can use you, uh, use your ideas and match you with someone that is technical to make magic happen.
0: Yeah, because last year I interviewed Michelle McCall who had started a a tech business as a non-tech founder and it is possible and this is where collaboration is important and it seems like the hackathon is a great place where collaboration can flourish. So if you've got a great technical idea but might not have the technical backing to bring it to life, um, this is where you might be able to meet um, your potential co-founder or partner to be able to help you get that idea up and running so make sure that you you keep that in mind and we'll 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 get some information for you to remind you about when the yes. second out. <laughs> now let's talk about what this podcast is about where's the funding yes so we all know that black founders don't get funded nearly um enough at the level of other founders mm-hmm. i don't know if you've ever had to raise Funds, if you have, what has yes. been your process? And yep. what should Black tech entrepreneurs know about raising funds for their tech ventures?
1: Great question. So, it is possible to raise funds. Let's start there. Um, what I do know, and from experience, as well as from meeting with several other founders, is that you really need to be passionate about whatever it is that you're working on. Many folks that are going to invest, they may not understand the full idea. They may not have any affiliation with the industry, but more so than anything, they're investing in the founder. So it's important for you as a founder to have a successful track record and to work on pitching yourself. So I would highly recommend. Any founder, especially if you're new in this space, new to fundraising, to make sure that you're attending some sort of boot camp or founder school, et cetera. There are many free platforms as well as some cohorts that you can pay for just to make sure that you understand some of the essential pieces that are going to be necessary, such as an executive summary, such as a pitch deck. Uh, and then develop your elevator pitch. So that's the first thing. Um, so it is possible. Make sure you you put some things within your tool belt. A couple of the ways that we are tackling the issues of historic lack of funding. Uh, to black, brown, female founders is, uh, and we'll we'll talk more about this in September, but this is just a little insight. We are developing our own team of angels. And so um, this is gonna be a little bit different from what other folks may know of as angels. Um, So angels typically are investors that will require some sort of return on their investment. And um, typically, as you're building a comp- company, you start with friends and family. Uh, they say the three Fs, friends, family, and fools. And many people, if you're in business, you've heard this, or business school, you've heard that. No then, one wants to be a fool, though. I know, right? <laughs> so that's why I said friends and family round. And then and then they might move into an angel round. So it's important.
0: Well, can, we, can we talk about the friends and family? Um,
1: yes. Round?
0: for a little bit because there is some privilege sort of embedded in that assuming that most people have friends and family who have enough money to spare to invest in an idea that might not work so even that as the kind of thing oh you start you know you have to invest in yourself or you start with your friends and family round but what do you do when your friends and family are broke
1: Yeah, so I'm glad you brought that up because typically for a founder, black, brown, female founder, um, when we go friends and family round, you might be lucky to raise a grand or 10 grand. Or if you have a family member that would give you five or 10 grand and then, you know, that's good. Whereas our um, (laughs) counterparts that, you know, do not fall within a category, their friends and family round, typically they could talk about will be in six figures six to seven figures. So there's a huge disparity from the start, right? And I've even talked to founders and heard people that have run multiple companies talk about how they've wasted millions of dollars. And it's just a blasphemous considering that who are the people that really drive the culture? It's us, right? So what we're doing is we're working to reinvent that whole wheel understanding that founders of color really don't get that strong start because they're trying to bootstrap without a boot, all right, and then trying to gain their confidence to even get to the point of an angel. So what we're doing is we're creating our own platform of angels that are going to be trained in angel investing and receive accredited um, certification, but what they'll do is basically work with us to that applications from founders so that we can start distributing grants. So they'll have an opportunity to read founder stories and grants will be available from $500 to $10,000 for founders that are just trying to get started. And that's where we're going to serve as that friends and family. Then once these folks move and and get their accredited uh, angel status, We'll have a new category of angel investors that are available that understand our dilemmas, that have been trained and know what to look for. Because what we know and what I know, because I work with angel investors around the country, there's not a lot of angel investors that look like us. And so um, we're unique in that it's gonna take, you know, a little bit of time, but we're unique in that we're addressing this particular issue, but also developing the next generation of investors. So that's the beginning part. But then we do have partners that are going to invest on the larger part. So we do have VC partners. uh, We do have VC scouts and we do have corporations that are interested in acquiring or licensing uh, innovations that come from our wearable tech founder. So we're tackling the entire circle.
0: Wonderful. I had a, a recording this morning with, um, a woman who's an African um, angel investor talking about the role that African angels can play in that funding ecosystem for African startups, um, much like you you just described. Um, so now, for this angel in in, in in sort of investors club that you're talking about, yeah, what what are the criteria?
1: Great question. So basically a desire to learn, we're looking for 100 people to join us and their commitment is $1,000. And so their $1,000 will be a tax-deductible donation to Wearable Tech Ventures, and uh, they will meet, um, there's a minimum four times a year. So uh, right now, we're looking at two times a year where we'll be distributing grants, um, and then two times a year where they will partake in some training um, so that they can ramp up and become a a certified angel investor. And that way, once a um, founder moves along the ranks, they'll be able to, you know, Uh, get some ownership or make a deal in that particular arena. So really four times a year and and the times that they come together when we talk about the grants is basically they're reviewing applications and then scoring them and saying, Hey, this is, we love this idea. We want to give this person this much. We want to give this person this much. So it's building that pool and it's going to the community and it's like a community voice vote.
0: Sounds awesome. Now what's your quick sort of 60 second pitch for, people who could potentially participate in this as angels to get them off the fence to say, this is something that they could do.
1: Absolutely. So if you've been hearing about tech and want to know more about this investment game or want to learn how to become an angel, this is your opportunity to make a difference, especially when it comes to our underrepresented founders and you're helping our ecosystem by making a tax deductible donation and gaining knowledge at the same time. It's a win-win.
0: Sounds good to me. It seems like, you know, there, there are more and more ways where the barriers to investment is coming down and making um, it more accessible to be an investor, right? Because you're talking about an initial contribution of a thousand dollars that seems more doable than what we traditionally know of, of angels being people, high net worth, um, People right. who have to have, you know, a net worth or salary of this amount to get accredited to be an angel, but kind of liberalizing that a little bit more and making it more accessible to pull in more people. So to do that and also thinking about platforms like Start Engine, that's also uh, making it easier to to invest in, in, in businesses and just removing some of those barriers,
1: Absolutely. So yeah, community crowd crowdfunding is, is significant. But to a founder, a tech founder, they have to be very careful about which avenue that they choose. If they go to the route of crowdfunding or if they ultimately want to go and you know raise their Series A, B, C, et cetera, and go the B, C route, they really need to make sure that they understand the risk associated because if they do go the crowdfunding route, it could inhibit, uh, you know, certain VCs that they would like to work with. So it's very important that they know long-term where they want to go, what VCs they want to work with and what those VCs, uh, viewpoint is as it relates to the crowdfunding platforms.
0: How, how would they know that? Like, so, Where's their starting point? Is it through like an incubator or an accelerator where they learn all of these things so that they can kind of map out their pathway?
1: Great question. So one, um, a VC should not be the first thought for a founder at all, at all. Uh, A founder should more so be focused on making sure they have their story together. Um, Two, making sure that they can identify how they can Get as much traction as possible with a friends and family round or, you know, with angel investors. And regardless of angel investors or crowdfunding or bc it's basically doing homework. So, you know, TechCrunch is a wonderful platform, um, but really identify what type of founders are interested in what you have to offer. Or excuse me, not, not founders, but investors. What type of investors invest in that? So every investor doesn't invest in the same thing. So for me, if someone were to come to me, um, they would have to know that I invest in wearable technology and, you know, definitely 80%, but then, you know, I save like 20% for founders of color and women, depending on, you know, what that might be um, or something that can be transformed into wearable tech. So, you know, that's my deal. Whereas there might be some investors that say, I only invest in health. Or I only invest in um, sports or esports. So um, know who it is that you're talking to and then ask for referrals. So track those that have had success. And so I've heard some successful founders that have raised multi million dollar rounds say, Find your white male. And it's true in many cases. However, uh, I've been fortunate enough where I've in my particular case, I've had many um, friends that have put me in places and, and introduced me to folks to make stuff happen. And it came as a result of supporting other black entrepreneurs and founders. And so my first significant investment outside of family and friends and myself came from the Boeing company.
0: I had this conversation this morning with Umalinga as well, when we were talking about networking. People just throw it out there and they're like, oh, you need to network. But if you don't have an extensive network, um, where do you start? How do you get connected to the people who know the people that you need to know and how do you approach them?
1: Great question. I, I would say, um, I used to say this even before, you know, coming into World Tech Ventures, but your network is your net worth. Okay. So, fortunately, with everyone being home and online, there's going to be a lot more engagement and opportunities to reach folks. We, shameless plug, have a new house on Clubhouse, the wearables and IoT house. And so, there we host many. Check episodes. you out.
0: <laughs> yeah I just got on clubhouse I'm not sh- I don't know how to use it very well yet Someone's giving me a crash course tomorrow but I accidentally stumbled into a really ratchet room and I didn't even leave quietly. I left very loudly. <laughs>
1: Well, no, you, you could do random stuff like I've sat in with with black opera singers. Um, so there's you could sit on a musicals. I mean, there are so many topics out there. But basically, what you want to do is follow those that may have your answer. So, for instance, if you know that you're trying to fundraise, follow those that have been successful in fundraising. If you've been doing some research and you know, who they the say people,
0: success leaves clues, right? It does.
1: It does. You follow the rooms where the VCs are and you stay there. And so you definitely want to make sure that you follow our room. Follow me. I'm Coach L on Clubhouse and we have our wearables and IOT room. Uh, But we also host some of these special people that you're trying to reach. And so there you can engage, interact, ask questions. So even though we're going to be home for a little while, um, and, I, you know, all of our programming for 2021 is going to be virtual. Take advantage of this opportunity. Hustle while you can because there's no barriers. You don't have to fly anywhere. You don't need a hotel. Basically, you just need to be about your business, research, and get online.
0: I like that because the cost of getting there is no longer a barrier. Exactly. So all you have to do is have internet connection and interest and will to do it. Yep. Let's get it, folks. So... We're approaching the, the end of this conversation and it's very been very rich. And so let's turn to, to women in tech. Yes. What advice would you give to black women thinking of starting tech businesses based on your experience? Because I know sometimes women tend to have this confidence thing and we like to talk ourselves out of things or we're waiting for X, Y, and Z to feel qualified enough, right? Well, I don't know anything about tech, so maybe I shouldn't be starting a tech business, even though they might've gotten, you know, a really good idea has come to them. And they create a million different reasons why they can't. Give them a million reasons why they can't. Absolutely. Well, maybe five, if we can't, <laughs> we don't have time for a million, but you know <gasps>
1: Well, the, and, I, and I could think of a million, but the first one is you are enough. You are enough. Uh, I, I think so many cases we get discouraged and I wrote a book about this. Check it out on Amazon, Rejection to Reward. Um, you know, rejection is a part of the process. The question is how many no's can you take? And then also here's another question. How many no's will it take for you to give up? And if you could come up with the answer to that, you don't need to be doing it in the first place. You need to commit, be mentally prepared to commit at least five to seven years to making this happen. Hopefully with some of the things that we're introducing, so we could shorten that timeline, but I need you to be mentally there. Okay, be there mentally and commit to it. Um, so mentally commit. Yes, you know that you are enough. And then three, understand that it's a fair playing ground. There are people that have no formal education that are out here doing it big. So here I here I am, master's degree, taught as a business professor, okay, undergrad and uh graduate school, was coaching founders even before I did WTV, and I still was struggling and had to fight people within the state. So understand this is a fair playing ground. So basically it's all about who can hustle best. <laughs>
0: It's true. And, and, and feeling like we can't consider ourselves experts in what we know without being bestowed some type of degree, or I don't know, knighting from the queen or something like if you know enough about something to be able to explain it well to somebody else, you're an expert because you'd be surprised on how many, about how many people know far less than you about something. So remove that from your mind, because oftentimes in conversations with people who are very smart, very accomplished, and I was having a conversation with a young woman the other day, and she's like, um, she's she's going to get her PhD, and she's like, oh, I I don't want to call myself an expert. I'm like, because you don't have a PhD yet. Like, no, there are people with far less credentials. She has an MPH. She's in um, public health who are out here calling themselves experts. You are expert enough. And that's part of the first thing that you said that you are enough.
1: One of the things I I know for sure is that as an expert, you realize just how much more you don't know. But really you focus in on a particular area and you may spend thousands of hours. And I mean like five digit types of thousands of hours focusing on a subject um, and learning about it and learning how it moves or whatnot. So yeah, you might, you might just be an expert in your particular field. So don't down yourself, know that you are enough. But the other thing is make sure you take care of yourself because I'm one that I can work around the clock. And so it's important to know or schedule some time to breathe, (laughs) to take a break. It's okay because you know what? Your company is not going to work unless you are healthy and you are functioning. So I like to treat myself like a Fortune 100 CEO. And so I make sure that I am adamant about my vitamin intake, making sure that I am doing cardio and weight training and meditation, by the way, just got my century award from Peloton for meditation, but. um...
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know you're about that meditation and that fitness life. And I'm so thankful, like two snaps upvoting that recommendation, because we really do need to dispel that sort of, um, That entrepreneurship belief. And it's a message that's being put out there by a lot of entrepreneurs. And I really don't like it, this whole hustle till you pass out thing and you'll sleep when you're dead. I'm like, what if you're
1: dead? What are you, what's the whole point? Exactly, exactly. We need you. We need your genius. And so there's gonna, you have to know when to turn it up. Cause yes, there's gonna be some times where it gets kind of crazy, right? But then also you need to make sure you have that time to recover and recoup.
0: That's it. What else? Do you have anything more for the ladies in tech before we go?
1: Absolutely. Make sure you read more tips in my book, Rejection to Reward. And then if you need some help with confidence, you can get my book, 40 Days to Unshakable Self-Confidence. All of that can be found at LakeishaGreenweight.com. And it takes you to all rows of wearabletechventures.org. <laughs> hey, for the Coach of plug
0: and the pick <laughs> at the end. Ladies or gentlemen, whoever you are, if you don't know how to do it and you want to learn how to do it, check this lady out. (laughs) You've seen her work. You know what she can do. She just dropped it on you right at the end. And so with that, I feel like that's a good way to close out this podcast. Thank you so much. It's been a year in the making, but you know, things happen at the time that they're supposed to happen. I'm glad we're able to make it happen now. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I would like to thank our listeners for continuously showing up. And we hope you got what you expected when you tuned into this episode. If not, let us know what you want us to cover by completing a short survey in the show notes. So make sure you check out the show notes for the podcast. If you would like to be a guest or sponsor, please contact us at where's the funding at gmail.com. You can find us on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you subscribe, stream, download, rate, review, share, all that good stuff. Follow us on social media. We're on Instagram at Words of Funding Podcast. And we have the Words of Funding Africa Edition podcast with uniquely African content. You can follow that page on Facebook at Words of Funding Africa Edition. And make sure you follow your host on LinkedIn, Michelle J. McKenzie, Coach L., Thank you so much.
1: Thank you for the honor.